Welcome to High on the Hog with Meryl Schindler and co-hosts Joanna Belson and Janice Hardoon. This is a podcast about all things cannabis. Tune in every week as Meryl, Joanna, and Janice discuss the medical benefits of CBD and THC products with each other, as well as with informed guests from the cannabis industry and the lawmakers who regulate it. Today we have a special edition of High on the Hog. Meryl, Janice, and Joanna are on location from a CBD social in Santa Monica. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Meryl Schindler. I'm the host of High on the Hog, the podcast. And uh, thank you for all of being here. And I want to tell you, before we introduce a few guests and open this up for many questions, about how I came to CBD, THC, the world of medical cannabis. Uh, And I got to tell you that as a child of the 60s, my cynicism is pretty deep and pretty intense. I mean, I've gone through a world of people who filled their houses with crystals, who had incense burning everywhere, who wouldn't share an apartment with someone who was a, um, a Scorpio because it was bad vibes. I came from all that. And, you know, as someone who's come down with various ailments over the years, and which of us has not, um, thing about a year ago that couldn't be cured. It just couldn't be cured, easily at least. Um, it, it took three or four months to even get it diagnosed. We kept going to doctors who would go, I don't know, maybe you have eczema. I don't really know what this is. Some doctors would just go, I have no idea what this is. Um, you know, I sort of ruled out leprosy and syphilis and, you know, some various ghastly things. But when you go online and you look at pictures of body rashes, you won't sleep well that night. It's pretty horrifying. There's stuff out there you don't know about. Indeed, I had something that people didn't know about. Finally, after many different appointments, while going to an oncologist to see if it was, it was some sort of cancer at um, uh, Cedars Tower, uh, the guy said, well, you don't have cancer. I don't know what you have, but you know, I remember reading about something called bullis pemphigoid. I go, is that a Turkish, is that a Turkish chicken dish? Bullis pemphigoid? No one's ever heard of it. It's totally and completely obscure. It's listed on the Mayo Clinic as extremely rare. And he said, you've got to get um, several biopsies to figure out what the heck this thing is. So it's like, okay, I was, it's basically a, a skin rash from head to toe and everything around there, including inside the mouth. So you are itching all the time. Basically, you're just flaying your skin off. You're having a terrible time of it. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't stop itching. I was a miserable human being. And... I found it took about a month to find a doctor who could even deal with pemphis, with bullous pemphigoid, of which there are very, very few. There's one down here. There's one up in Stanford. There's one up in um, at, at Chino State. There's very, very few people who bother with it because nobody has this darn thing. And I, I it took me a long time to get an appointment. I finally got to see her, and she she was like almost dismissive. She says, "Oh yeah, you have bullous pemphigoid. No problem. We'll put you on monster amounts of." prednisone and a bunch of other medications and that should slow it down, stop it. If that doesn't work, uh, you have to go for chemotherapy for it. I thought, oh, fun, fun. But meanwhile, while taking all these things, the itching continued. I, I was getting no sleep at night. I was a miserable human being. And I would get all sorts of medications, high-end, expensive medications with long names um, that we'd, we'd, we'd spread on me. I looked like a glazed donut most of the time. <laughs> 
and it did nothing. One of them, memorably, was this little tiny tube, just a little tube about the size of, I don't know, just one of the little bottles over there. And it would maybe feel okay. It was a foam. You, you, you mixed it up. It took you three days to go through it. I went back. I said, hey, can I have a, a refill? They said, well, you'll have to pay for it yourself. Insurance won't pay for it. It's once a month. I said, yeah, I'll pay for it. What is it, $40, something like that? It was $996 for the little two. Actually, it was $996.25. And when they charge you $996, you figure they'd let the 25 go. <laughs> but they, they didn't. So um, a friend of mine, Richard Drabkin, for his mother, who's, who's well into her 90s, they've been using a lot of medical marijuana products, medical cannabis products. And he said, okay, you should try these things. You should go to these places. You should explain what you want. So I said, okay. And at the time, I had to get a, uh, a permit, you know, a, a, a medical cannabis permit, which was online and was, was ridiculously easy. Uh, you know, just three questions that the guy would nod sagely and go, give me a credit card number. It'll be in the... It'll, It'll be coming up on your email in a few minutes. Um, I went to other places, and it was like a magical world. It was like if I had just come from the rainforest and walked into an Apple store, I wouldn't quite know what I was looking at. And in this case, it was very much like that. It was like, what is all this stuff? What's CBD? What's THC? What is this stuff? And they gave me a cream that the first night we put it on my back, I stopped itching. It went away. Um, I got a little vape pen that was for sleep. I, I tried the vape pen. I slept like maybe two hours, which is the most I slept in a long time. It was like, this is a magical world. Who knew? And, I, and as, as a cynic, I didn't really believe in plant-based medicine. All good medicines are made in laboratories, right? They're made by guys in white coats. I did a little research this morning. Uh, did you know aspirin comes from the willow bark? Or penicillin is penicillium mold? Uh, Sudafed is from a bush called Ephedra sinica. Digitalis, of course, is foxglove. Uh, quinine, which heals mar uh, malaria and lupus and arthritis, is from the cinchona tree. Um, there's so much stuff out there, and we know so little about it. And because of the restrictions in this country, research is very, very limited. Much of the research is being done in Israel where they've sort of figured out this is good stuff, this is, this is the future. And indeed, it is a future. Um, you probably have read, possibly have read, that people like Martha Stewart are investing heavily in medical cannabis. Martha Stewart, Martha! And boy, will she have lovely uh, pipes and beautiful, beautiful boxes for the medication. Because it's Martha, it's what she does. Anyway, th this show began first with my quest, then with knowing the wonderful Joanna Belson, one of my partners here. And Joanna, um, Joanna's parents went to school with me. They, you know, they, I actually, her mother began in kindergarten with me. Um, so we go way back. And Joanna's been in the cannabis business for quite a while. Two years. Uh, two years. Okay, it's quite a while. And then through another connection, we got to meet Janice Hardoon. Janice is the... You'd be the cousin of Joy, and that's Mary's best friend. That's Mary, my wife there. And um, so it was like, if, for those who knew Yiddish, it was beshert, beshert. This was meant to be. And the idea kicked around in a few odd ways, but it actually came together very, very quickly as this is how it will work. People want to know, they want to know the basics. What's CBD? What's THC? What can it do for me? I have arthritis. I have 
you know, I have, I have itching on my back. I have whatever I have. And the deeper I got into this world, and it's only I've the tip of the very iceberg, the more I learned and the more amazed I was, which is a good time to ask Janice to get up here and explain how Janice, you should understand, modest as she is, is a pioneer in this industry. She is a, a real figurehead in terms of particularly CBD. You've opened a CBD store over on Melrose called The Antidote, which is next to your other store, K-Town um, Collective. And Antidote is all about CBD. It's all about healing. And you've inspired us, and you do every week when we do our podcast. So if you could introduce yourself and talk about what you do. I'm Janice, and I got introduced to the world of cannabis probably over 12 years ago now. And um, it is. It's a plant that comes from the ground. I've asked numerous people, numerous guests that we've had, why is it that antibiotics are so accepted and they come from the rainforest? And why cannabis and hemp, which are full-spectrum plants that come from the ground, why can't we incorporate those plants into a lifestyle so that you will use fewer plants that come from the rainforest? Um, and it's a whole education process, and we're really starting back simple with the podcast is, what is THC? What is CBD? And what we try to do is give you enough information for you to ask questions so that you can come back and we can help find the answers for you. I am not the expert in everything, but hopefully I have a lot of answers and I have the resources to get whatever information we need to have. So I told you Janice was was modest. I have seen her in action and it is it is staggering. We had a fellow on the show the other day who has determined that um, that there are ways to use um, DNA testing to determine which CBD, THC products will work best for you and for what. And they do it akin to 23andMe. They, they, in fact, if you've had 23andMe, they will take your 23andMe results and they determine from that um, what, what will work. They give you a total breakdown of it. It was pretty amazing. And you were just on fire with this dude. I mean, he, he, was, he was like, he was in love with you uh, for asking all the, the right questions. I ask silly questions, but you ask all the right ones. You hold us all together. You're the glue, Meryl. But the questions I really asked him was really about CBD and going back to where everyone wants to start and get their introduction is how much is a regular dose, a daily dose of CBD should you take daily? Um, you can't find it anywhere in print. No one's going to say, tell us. So uh, the few guests we've had that I could ask the question to, I've asked. So CBD really needs to become part of your lifestyle. It's something you do every day. If you have a chronic condition or an ailment, then we'll increase the dose to help balance out your body. But um, I'm not the registered nurse here. Shannon, I can use this as a segue to get Shannon up here because this is something that she spent a lot of time with doing. Um, and she's introduced microdosing CBD and THC into your bodies because they do work uh, together in your system. This is Meryl Schindler. This is High in the Hog, the podcast. And this weekend, we're doing a, um, a CBD social. We have about 50 people who showed up to find out what's going on in the wonderful world of CBD and THC. And we have an amazing guest, Sharon Barrett. She's a nurse. 
She's created an entire line of CBD products. They're brilliant. And so is she. <laughs> so I, I, I'm someone that I will tell everybody, you have to advocate for yourselves. No one's going to advocate more than you for you. And, and, and a doctor's opinion is just that. It's not that there aren't a lot of good doctors out there with a lot of good opinions, but their opinion is just that, a singular opinion. And if you don't feel like you have a good understanding or you agree with it, ask questions. It's okay to ask someone else. You know, these are things that people don't realize that just because they're the doctor doesn't mean that they know everything or that they're even up on the latest research. So for me, I asked questions and I saw the top rheumatologist. Uh, he wrote the books. That's, I researched and that's who I went to. And my, you know, my determination after was that he should retire. Yeah, I, I just thought at first I was like, I'm emotional. You know, I understand. That was my first thing is that this has changed my world and I'm trying to be understanding. I'm easily upset and I'm, I, I just want to feel better. But then I realized that when he referred to me as the princess and the pea, pretty much a pain in the ass, uh, because I wasn't going to just do as he said. I wanted to ask questions. If, and, and, and if I was telling him that I was experiencing a symptom that he didn't include in his book, well, that just doesn't make sense. So we're not going to write a new chapter today. And I, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I took the information and I went and did some research. And that's how I came up and saw CBD. And I was like, well, this is exactly what I need. I'm like, I need CBD. And I was, just to paint the picture, when I was diagnosed, so this was in 2014, I had been in an accident a few months before, and I had been rear-ended, and I, you know, that, that was kind of trigger one, where I was already having rashes and irritations and things that weren't healing, and and, uh, and, and when I got diagnosed, um, it, I came in because it was the second accident. So I got hit and 60 days later on the day, I got hit again. And that one is the one that triggered the flare that kind of just, you know, where I was, I was experiencing pain they weren't seeing. I was having nerve issues they weren't able to determine. And I'm like, are you calling me crazy? Or are you telling me I'm not actually feeling this? And that seems to be the plight of most people going through chronic illness and trying to get a diagnosis is that you're made to feel like you were actually crazy until all of a sudden they go, aha, we figured out what it is. And you're like, it's, it's semi-validating and infuriating at the same time. And, and so for, you know, for me getting, getting hit, going in, and I thought I had a parasite is what I had arrived at. I, you know, in my own, before going to the doctor, I had gotten myself to the point where I'd canceled it out and I for sure had a parasite. So when I got the diagnosis of lupus and Sjogren's, I was a little surprised because that's not something that you get to just like rid yourself of. And, and I, you know, and so when I, when I got diagnosed at the time, I was dealing with pain and, you know, and spasms. I was a walking spasm and I was you know, having just a lot of skin irritations and unexplained issues. And I, I found the CBD thing and I'm like, this is what I need. I didn't have time to really go so far down the rabbit hole like I did later. But at the time I was like, okay, CBD, this is what I need. And I got my medical marijuana recommendation and I went to the dispensary and I said, you know, I want CBD that doesn't have a lot of THC and, and you know, and I like 
to know it's legitimate pretty much like very baseline I didn't know and they looked at me like I had a third eye you know I, when I was asking and telling them I was coming in here and I didn't want to get high um, side note it's something I'm open about I've been sober over nine years you know this was something where making the decision to go get my medical marijuana recommendation because I knew that it was what was going to help me but I wasn't looking to use it recreationally although if THC would help me I would do it but the one thing that I was having and a lot of people don't know not as few that know about your condition, but Sjogren's syndrome is uh, your white blood cells attacking your moisture producing glands throughout your entire body. And everyone has a different experience. Mine had a, a very, very, very advanced presentation in my mouth. I had no saliva. I was going through 900 dry mouth lozenges a month. You know, so I wasn't looking for THC specifically because I didn't need any more dry mouth. Like that was just, like I, I was, I mean, I. I was spending out of pocket 10,000, you know, a year. The year I got diagnosed, over 20,000 out of pocket from my mouth. You know, I had crowns that were lasting a year that should have lasted 10. So I didn't want to mess with that. <laughs> and I, you know, I'd go around and I wasn't finding anything. And then I'd find alcohol-based tinctures, which if you have dry mouth, let me tell you, that is like the worst case scenario it just burns and I had irritations on my skin and rashes and when you look at topicals you see a lot of additional essential oils and things added which are great but not when you have really sensitive skin and, and irritations so and I just how many years ago was this this was in 2014 okay so um your ability to find CBD THC products was it was there but not as much as it is now it was there but it wasn't like it, it was just there to be on the shelf. It wasn't, you know, people kind of heard, oh, we hear people asking about CBD a little more. Like, let's put something out there. But there was no information. And so when I would go and I'd ask questions, no one could give me an answer. And Was, when, was quality control a big problem then? <laughs> it's the reason I started Goes my company. Business. It's yeah. the reason I, it was... I started going around and just as a from a consumer it was really frustrating from a nurse it was unacceptable like I you know here you are going for an alternative to medicine and you're no one can give you any answers and so you walk in and you're looking you pick up a product and it would say maybe it would have ingredients on it like that was a win uh, maybe it would have some contact information rarely and if you actually tried contacting getting someone was not not heard of and, and and so there was just a real lack of information and an even bigger lack of transparency I would see things like lab tested but email us and we'll send it to you and I'm like that seems legit and uh, this I should add is one of the reasons we we love dealing with Janice you walk into Janice's store and Janice can answer questions you, you, you don't know everything, but you can answer questions. And you carry products that have been proven to be well-tested. A few weeks ago, we had the people from um, Pop and Barkley on. And I mean, as they detailed the testing, I'm not sure that, um, that my, my pharmacy bought drugs are as well-tested. Well, I will tell you, there's been a whole, re uh, a whole evolution that's been going on in the cannabis industry in the state of California. So now everything has gone through testing, rigorous testing, and even like Shannon became like a person that got left behind in the cannabis industry because she didn't have the manufacturing license last year to put her product on the shelves that uh, dispensaries needed. So she, while she stayed underground, we were fighting for a way 
for her to get that manufacturing license, which thank goodness it's now I here. Do have it. So now the product is back here, and. Um, <laughs> And there's our show, just a little preview, it's very popular, so popular it just begins to play itself every now and then. The phone has to hear it, it just feels a need. Siri did that. That's the voice of, of Phil Grande over there. Phil, Phil, thank you very much for, say hello to Phil. The, the big issue with, you know, going around and basically trying to find all these products is that I was looking for something that was lab tested and not in some backdoor shady way of trying to have to get you know, test results. And I found what I thought to be the highest standard because they had lab testing and they seemed semi-transparent, but I didn't know that there was a difference in sourcing. And, and so for me, what I will say now is not saying that you know, CBD is one molecule, right? There's one molecule CBD that exists, cannabidiol, and it exists in both hemp and it exists in in whole flower cannabis. For those, by the way, who are asking if hemp and, and cannabis are the same thing. They're cousins, basically, is the best way to say it. They're, they have some of the same genetic markers. Yeah, they're, they're, they're relatives in, in the cannabis sativa plants. Uh, but when it comes to, like, you know, there's, it's not to say that there's no benefit when you don't have it from whole flower. There's a lot of benefit and potential things that can happen. But the way that I explain it is the difference between supplements you know, and medicine, right? And so one of the biggest issues, and I deal with primarily medical patients. So I deal with patients that have used a lot of products and are on a lot of medications. And when it comes down to consistent medication results, right, and that sort of thing, and get in, and having something that they know that they take it and they get that relief they were looking for or treating a symptom related to a condition beyond your, you know, general wellness side of things, right, really targeting, that's where usually the whole flower component comes in because you need a lot of these other components that are present when it comes from whole flower. And, and I, as I was going through this process, I'm trying, I'm spending thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars because I'm wondering how much do I have to take to experience the miracle? And I'm meeting with the president of this company and I'm talking and I'm getting worse. I'm not getting better. My kidneys are now bleeding. I have, I get into another accident, which is the worst flare up I have. I just had a magnet or a target on my car is all that was happening because I was stopped. I mean, I couldn't do anything more right. And I had lesions now all over my face and neck. So now I feel like I have, you know, everything else was invisible until this point. Now I look crazy and, and I'm, I'm just not getting better. And so I just decided at the end of 2016, I'm going to do some research and figure out why these things aren't working. And I found myself in a rabbit hole that I have not come out of. And I found the endocannabinoid system and I found Raphael Meshulam and I found like all this information. And I'm like, why is this not on the billboard when you come in? This should be what people are leading with. And I just decided that I was gonna have to make my own medicine. And I decided that I would do some research and figure out how I was gonna make it. And I created Sana Sana Wellness, which is now Sana Sana Formulas. I didn't create it to be a company. I was just making medicine for myself, but because I give it out to everybody and everyone was resounding, this is working, I made a mental note and I'm like, okay, well maybe I'll make it available. And so what I did, if you want to give me that big box there, the first product that I ever made was called the oil because I thought I'm going to come out with one product. You just need one product, edible, topical, humans, pets, everything. Uh, and, and that's what I did, something that you weren't losing cannabinoid content when you were using it topically. 
And I was reading, I read one article, and I was interviewed like at the beginning of last year, and they asked me about if I still had the article about microdosing. And to me, it was this prolific moment when I read the words microdosing. And when I looked up the article, literally all it did say was microdosing. And it just got me thinking <laughs> that I'm really sensitive. So if I could take the smallest dose, and if our receptors, we have these cannabinoid receptors that are located throughout every major organ, throughout your central and peripheral nervous system that respond to cannabinoids like CBD or THC, just like you have opioid receptors. You have opioid receptors, that's a common one we're used to hearing. We have cannabinoid receptors. And they're happy when you get a higher frequency of dosing, you know, so a lower dose at a higher frequency as opposed to big doses here or there. I'm like, that makes sense. So I decided that patient zero, I'm gonna do eight to 10 microdoses a day and just see, you know, one milligram doses. And I was seeing things said microdoses as low as 10 milligrams. And I'm like, why 10? Who decided that 10 was the lowest? Or who decided that five? And you know, how do you determine this? And I saw things like milligram per kilogram. And, and really what that is, is people extracting information from clinical studies where you have to have some sort of marker. If, if they don't come up with some baseline, we will never have any results in science. So they have to. That's not the clinical application. That's just the research side. But nobody had bridged that gap to make it so that people could understand. And we should explain that, that microdosing is something we talk about a lot on the show. And microdosing is basically you begin with a little and see what happens. And you have to remember it doesn't work in like two minutes. It's going to take maybe a couple of hours. You just watch your body. You're just in touch with yourself. And and if you don't, you run into the, the problem of, wow, it's been 15 minutes. I don't feel anything. I'll take another dose. I still don't feel anything. I think I'll take another dose. And, you you know, it becomes a lost weekend, um, you know, when, when you, it finally hits you. But, you know, you have to be very patient. You have to try it very carefully. Um, you have to see what what works. And a lot of things, you know, um, uh, the, those wonderful mints over there, I regularly break them into pieces mm -hmm. and just, just use little pieces. Well, that's where, you know, when you have the, the ideas, the things I would hear is start low and slow. I'm like, great, please elaborate. <laughs> or people would talk about ratios, and I'm like, can you explain those to me? And, and, and I just started, again, the same way I'd ask a doctor a question, I started asking people in this industry questions. And if I couldn't get answers, I thought there was more to it. And the most simple way I can break it down for you is that everyone has an endocannabinoid system. Everyone's is unique to them, to you. And everyone responds differently regardless of age, sex, weight, or diagnosis. So knowing those facts, why would we start at anything other than a milligram dose? And how do you implement microdosing? That's been a big challenge. I used to be very vague and tell people you might take one to 10, it, but you, you, you work up to that. And, and then I started realizing people maybe wanted more specific guidelines. And that didn't really, that's not doing a service to people. So I've taken it back to basics. It comes down to you being accountable and keeping a dosing journal where you, you set a, a guideline to, okay, so if you're just starting, you're gonna take your first dose and not first thing in the morning, because if you have any fear or anxiety about the idea of doing it, you're putting yourself to, into an unnecessary crisis state. So do it when you're home and you're able to just Take your microdose and just be able to see that nothing bad happens. And I call them the I wish I could untake it moments that tend to happen a lot of the times for people. Taking a higher dose. Oops. Or, 
Yep, or eating a little bit of the cookie, having a little more. I mean, edibles are very scary because then it tastes so good. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, and, and the next thing you know, you're having an out-of-body experience that you weren't signing up for. Driving through Hollywood last night, <laughs> I, I was struck by a, a sign for Dr. Norm's award-winning chocolate chip cookies with, of course, THC in them. And it's like, I don't know, I could eat a whole bunch of cookies. Probably not the best of ideas. But um, yeah, your products are THC and CBD, or they're- Well, they're I started with focusing on CBD. So first I thought, okay, see, which side am I supposed to be on here? Oh, I, I keep flipping the it. The little label there, there we go. So I, you know, I, I, I was really focused on CBD, and then uh, when I started my research, I found that people were sourcing for something other than just whole flour, and then I'm like, okay, well, I need to make the distinction for my product that it is whole flour. So I say that it's not hemp because for me, it's important for people to know that there is a difference when you're utilizing it when you're a patient like me, right? Like that has a lot of things going on that chances are you're gonna need something that's a little more precise that has a larger therapeutic window. I think we need to be a little more specific though to explain this. I don't think we have actually that CBD is the non-psychotropic part of cannabis. THC is the psychotropic part of cannabis. So you'll find more and more products at the Antidote, for instance, that offer CBD only. So it's not psychotropic, but there is a world where they are, they mix together, they work better when they're in different proportions, one to three, three to one, 30 to one, et cetera, et cetera. Um, is that the entourage effect? Well, I, I like to say that CBD gets by a little bit better with the help of its friends, which would be the other cannabinoids like THC and you know terpenes and flavonoids and there's hundreds of other compounds that we're still learning. Anyone who says that they know everything, just walk away because we're learning more every single day. There's another receptor that we haven't even fully, hasn't been officially announced, but it's there. You know, we're, this is an amazing system that we're learning. And you know, the, there's a misconception that you know, no THC is the only way to not have a psychoactive experience. And I say non-psychoactive, and you guys all received the, the guide, right, here. So one of the things that we did in the relaunch, you know, big name change, Sana Sana Wellness to formulas. Uh, and <laughs> we have a, a little symbol key. So we have this really cool iconography that speaks to everybody. It's not indica sativa or hybrid or ratios because those are not the most universal things for anyone to understand. And the more that comes out in science, the more we know that it's important to know the strain, not necessarily what if it's an indica, you know, if you give, I use my grandma as an example all the time. If you give her morphine, you might as well have given her speed. The same thing can happen in cannabis, where one might affect somebody a certain way, just because indica typically might cause a more sedating thing for people. A lot of other people, it might not. So there's more to it. That was, this, that was scratching the surface. That indica, sativa, and hybrid happened before the endocannabinoid system. So you have to remember, before we knew that there was a system that exists, they were going off of those terms. Now we know that there's so much more to each single strain. So there's terpenes, which are the essential oil compound that are found in black pepper and, and pine trees and you know, they're, they're essential oils, aromatherapy, Levin. right? Exactly. Levin. Levin. And, and they're recognized as safe and they are, you know, uh, they, they are recognized for their therapeutic benefits and they act as like a fingerprint for marijuana strains. And they provide a genetic fingerprint, but they also give you a roadmap to specific therapeutic benefits. 
This is the end of part one of High on the Hog, on location at the CBD Social in Santa Monica. Thanks for joining us, and come back next week for part two. See you next time.